Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I thought it would be a good time to rejoin the social media forum on this Friday afternoon because of so many different things that are going on in the country. And as always, our job is to look through a biblical lens at the signs of the times and give interpretation. And I don't think it takes much imagination to understand what is happening in our world today. I guess if you are without biblical understanding, if you are without the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Scripture, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, uh, then I guess it could be a bit complicated. And yet there are many out there today that do believe that they have the wisdom of Scripture and they have a sincere faith in God and and they believe that uh, the Bible has predicted the things that are going on. But their approach to this moment is a bit awkward. We need to talk about that as well. I uh, heard a very dear gentleman yesterday telling uh, his audience, and it was a great audience, that uh, if he did not believe in the rapture of the church, if he did not believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus, um, he would be very concerned about what's happening in the world today. But because he believes in a pre-tribulational rapture, um, and, and again, this is going out over multitudes and multitudes of people's minds and uh, I, the, the gentleman's great. I love him. I love the way he speaks. He, he talks about updates, prophetic updates, um, but it's more of a Calvary Chapel uh, mindset, and uh, I'm not sure, but I think the majority of people that belong to Calvary Chapel have a pre-rapture mindset, but to listen to him talk about, you know, all the important things, the up-to-date things, the Klaus Schwab 
uh, narrative and all the different global reset and the conversation that we all know, uh, but to say this uh, openly that, if, uh, and then I'm quoting him, if I did not believe in the rapture of the church, I would be very concerned. And again, his view of the rapture is that the church will be gone before the Antichrist comes. And so, you know, however many people, and I think they were up in, you know, who knows how many people, I'm not even going to guess, but a lot of people around the world are listening. And so while we can have a, a conversation about the end times with this gentleman, uh, he leaves the masses with a false security that their way through this is going to be to uh, escape through a pre-tribulational rapture. And uh, he admittedly said if he did not believe in that uh, pre-trib rapture or the rapture of the church before the Antichrist, he would be very concerned. And so you, you think, okay, well, you know, there is a reason to be concerned if you're unprepared in your heart. And if your hope is in a rapture rather than a resurrection, which is what First Thessalonians chapter 4 really talks about, uh, then what happens when that pre-tribulational rapture never takes place? And you are unprepared to face the things that you thought you would never face. And that's something that needs to be really understood. I mean, if I just don't believe I'm ever going to get into the ring with Muhammad Ali, um, and the day comes that I'm facing him in the ring and I've not prepared uh, for that moment the best I could prepare, well, I'm going to get totally obliterated and wiped out and maybe even, you know, turn down the whole event, walk off the, you know, the stage and, uh, never entertain that whole situation. So our faith and our belief is important, but we have to make sure that our faith and our belief is in the right thing. And I do believe that there is a lot of concern in people's hearts and minds about the things that they're witnessing. Probably last night, uh, you were able to witness the, the greatest show on earth, the, uh, the January 6th committee. We're going to talk a little bit about that and how I think over 30 channels 30 television stations carried this, uh, the greatest issue on earth, the January 6th committee. And it was definitely designed to stir more agitation and an attempt to uh, politicize everything in order to get Donald Trump to never appear again. In fact, one of the people said, Donald Trump will be gone, uh, but you, the people that supported him, will be around and you're going to be put to open shame. So, um, that last night happened. It's going to happen again a week from now. There's a lot of commentary on it. All the news channels covered it from Fox News, Fox Business, CNN, MSNBC, and so many C-SPAN channels uh, talked about this. And it's a very dangerous narrative. It's a very dangerous thing that they're talking about because you have 80 million Americans that voted for Donald J. Trump and over a million Americans that showed up on January 6th that they are attempting to demonize. And I want to just read to you at the beginning of this broadcast now uh, one of the statements that came out, and then I'm going to get into this other one as well. Uh, but we have a, uh, uh, from the Epoch Times is the, probably the best way to, to deliver this. And we received it last night, and you probably uh, may or may not have heard this before. Um, but let's get under... Uh, some thinking here with this. Let me get back to my Epic Times and uh, share what was given uh, hours before that situation happened last night. And um, let's see if I can carry it over here. 
All right, so we have a lot of that stuff going on as well. Sorry about that. We're a little bit unprepared. We're not home yet, but we are on our way there. You're not going to want to miss this. This is a uh, a plea, um, an anguished plea, quite frankly, that came out yesterday. Let's see if I could find it here. A little bit easier, maybe, maybe not. Um, all right, so... There was a letter that came from a gentleman in prison in Washington, D.C. He's been in there for 253 days, I believe it was. And um, let's see if I could find out where this note was. Uh, From the Epic Times, they recorded this whole deal. So I know I have it. Um, So trust you're all doing very well while we're waiting for this to happen. And, of course, it's gone. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing how things just disappear uh, right before your very eyes. Um, So there's more than one way, they say, to skin a cat. So let's go this way and and put in there. Uh, The interesting thing about the prisoner in Washington, D.C., about the letter that he sent was that he was to the people of this country about what they were about to watch. And he's a retired combat veteran uh, in the United States military. And uh, I sure do wish I had his letter here. And for some reason, it just didn't show up. So what can I do? Yeah. He was running for a governmental office in Tampa, Florida as well. And... I'm being a little bit stubborn right now because I I really think you need to hear this. And so let's uh, see if I can't go just a little bit further in my search here. Okay, Epoch Times report on a... Okay, I found this on the web for Mm. Epic Times report. Check it out. Yeah, that's not what we're wanting to do here. Okay, so I will move on in just one brief moment. One brief moment. Here we go. Let me check this out in the Epic Times. Okay. Um, Okay. All right. I'm just looking through this real quick. Mm. I think we're getting close. Here we go. Biden pronounces okay. Well, I guess I'm not going to find this for whatever reason. It kind of left. The interesting part of the article that this gentleman wrote was he said something that a friend of ours said many times on our broadcast, I think you'll remember him, and did bring a brilliant understanding to the airwaves about what was going on in our country uh, prior to COVID-19, as you'll recall. And he used to talk about what happened to the Jews in Nazi Germany, how they began to demonize them first, 
And then after their demonization, they would dehumanize them. Well, in the letter that this gentleman wrote yesterday, it was the same exact reality that uh, the attempt that's going on in this country right now is to demonize anybody who disagrees with Joe Biden's policy and the narrative of the left today. And after the demonization, then the dehumanization come, which allows for the six million you know, Jews to be exterminated without feeling, without thought, without hurt, without pain, uh, without anything, because they are so uh, not worthy of being alive that they deserve death. And you see that kind of hatred that's growing in our country. You see that kind of hatred that's growing uh, throughout the world. And it's one of those issues that um, are a reality. They're no longer just being spoken of. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the month of June. And it's very unfortunate to me, it should be to you as well, that the LGBTQ community uh, has taken hold of one of God's months, the month of June, that belongs to the Lord. They took hold of God's rainbow, and it belongs to him, but they perverted it and took control of that as well. Uh, they have taken control of institutions for life, like uh, the institution of marriage and uh, the family, and they have created the, uh, you know, the multiple murders of abortion and then men marrying men, women carrying women, marrying women. So you have in the month of June what they call the Gay Pride Month, and we know that this is really should be called the month of shame because it is a shame and it is a disgrace, and there's a lot of people that know it. In fact, if you think it's just a bashing, a battering, I found this as well. Uh, came out from a gentleman yesterday that um, I think, you know, he, he brought it out there and it needs to be said. So this is uh, in the Congress, okay? This is in the congressional writings. You could actually find this. It was called the Homosexual Manifesto, and uh, it was by Michael Swift. He wrote uh, The Gay Revolutionary. It was reprinted from the Congressional Record of the United States Congress, it was first printed in Gay Community News in February 15 to 21, 1987. So here's the month that is being devoted and dedicated to the homosexual agenda. And this is the congressional record for the Homosexual Manifesto. And here's what it says, and I'm going to quote exactly what it says in the congressional record. This is what people in America have learned to tolerate and accept. And it begins this way. We shall sodomize your sons emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, in your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, in your all-male clubs, in your houses of Congress, wherever men are with men together. Your sons shall become our minions and do our bidding. They will be recast in our image. They will come to crave and adore us. Women, you cry for freedom. You say you are no longer satisfied with men. They make you unhappy. We connoisseurs of the masculine face, the masculine physique, shall take your men from you then. We will amuse them. We will instruct them. We will embrace them when they weep. Women, you say you wish to live with each other instead of with men. Then go and be with each other. 
We shall give your men pleasures they have never known because we are foremost men too. And only one man knows how to truly please another man. Only one man can understand the depth and feeling, the mind and body of another man. All laws banning homosexual activity will be revoked. Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. All homosexuals must stand together as brothers. We must be united artistically, philosophically, socially, politically, and financially. We will triumph only when we present a common face to the vicious heterosexual enemy. If you dare to cry faggot, fairy, queer at us, we will stab you in your cowardly hearts and defile your dead puny bodies. We shall write poems of the love between men. We shall stage plays in which man openly caresses man. We shall make films about the love between heroic men, which will replace the cheap, superficial, intimental, insipid, juvenile, heterosexual infatuations presently dominating your cinema screens. We shall sculpt statues of beautiful young men, of bold athletes, which will be placed in your parks, your squares, your plazas. The museums of the world will be filled only with paintings of graceful, naked lads. Our writers and artists will make love between men fashionable and de rigueur, and we will succeed because we are adept at setting styles. We will eliminate heterosexual liaisons through usage of the redeeming the rainbow 203 devices of wit and ridicule, devices which we are skilled in employing. We will unmask the powerful homosexuals who masquerade as heterosexuals. You will be shocked and frightened when you find that your presidents and their sons, your industrialists, your senators, your mayors, your generals, your athletes, your film stars, your television personalities, your civic leaders, your priests are not the safe, familiar, burgoy, heterosexual figures you assume them to be. We are everywhere. We have infiltrated your ranks. Be careful when you speak of homosexuals because we are always among you. We may be sitting across the desk from you. We may be sleeping in the same bed with you. There will be no um compromises. We are not middle-class weaklings, highly intelligent. We are the natural aristocrats of the human race. And steely-minded aristocrats never settle for less. Those who oppose us will be exiled. We shall raise vast private armies as Mishima uh, did to defeat you. We shall conquer the world because warriors inspired by and banded together by homosexual love and honor are invincible, as were the ancient Greek soldiers. The family unit spawning ground of lies, betrayals, mediocrity, hypocrisy, and violence will be abolished. The family unit, which only dampens imagination and curbs free will, must be eliminated. Perfect boys will be conceived and grown in the genetic laboratory. They will be bonded together in communal setting under control and instruction of homosexual servants. All churches who condemn us will be closed. Our only gods are handsome young men. We adhere to a cult of beauty, moral, and aesthetic. All that is ugly, and uh, this just continues on, all that is ugly and vulgar and banal will be annihilated. Since we are alienated from middle-class heterosexual conventions, we are free to live our lives according to the dictates of the pure imagination. For us, too much is not enough. The exquisite society to emerge will be governed by an elite comprised of gay poets. One of the major requirements for a position of power in the new society of uh, homoeroticism will be indulgence in the Greek passion. Any man contaminated with heterosexual lust will be automatically barred from a position of influence. All males who insist on remaining stupidly heterosexual will be tried in homosexual courts of justice and will become invisible men. 
We shall rewrite history, history filled and debased with your heterosexual lies and distortions. We shall portray the homosexuality of the great leaders and thinkers who have shaped the world. We will demonstrate that homosexuality and intelligence and imagination are inextricably linked and that homosexuality is a requirement for true nobility, true beauty in man. We shall be victorious because we are fueled with the ferocious bitterness of the oppressed who have been forced to play seemingly bit parts in your dumb heterosexual shows throughout the ages. We too are capable of firing guns and manning the barricades of the ultimate revolution. Tremble here, uh, hetero swine, when we appear before you without our masks. That you have never read this gay cult constitution before is pure evil from newsroom and journalists everywhere. Uh, the homosexual manifesto disguised as help yet to be fulfilled for minor attracted persons. No doubt the blanking U.S. Supreme Court will soon reread the homosexual manifesto and follow its directions once again. You may sound like that is some kind of far, you know, uh, out imagination of some kind of uh, weird thinker, but that is in the congressional records. 1987. The intention of the LGBTQ community has always been militant. They have taken a month called uh, uh, Gay Pride Month, the month of June. We call it Gay Shame Month, and it is an utter shame. Babe, you're seeing, you're being seen there. Here, my wife is trying to sneak in there. Patricia Joy, uh, getting herself ready. So, anyways, um, this is this is what you're confronted with, and the reason why I bring that up is because you take this storm. And then you bring the other storm of violence that's rising in this congressional hearing of January 6th. And it is such a farce because, you know, normally you have two sides of a, of a coin to debate issues. And then you see the people that are up there leading these things. And you think, wait, I just saw them when they were trying to impeach Donald J. Trump twice. There were two impeachment processes. And how this is in the left. And I like what one man said that Donald Trump has been living rent free in their head for the last 15 months. I mean, these people on the left cannot get Donald Trump out of their mind. And they are doing everything in their power to remove him from the world stage. They want to demonize him and all of those who supported him and uh, voted for him and stood by him. And then they want to dehumanize them. And they're giving opportunity for everybody that once supported this man to turn away from him and so this is a very interesting spiritual battle as well that is going on within our nation. Uh, the price of gas, we've been traveling. It's up to $7 a gallon as, as San Diego, uh, Los Angeles. They're at 8 and $9 a gallon. Uh, the inflation has risen exponentially. You've watched that begin to happen. Um, so uh, sent uh, Epoch Time Letter, I think you're looking for. Okay, let's see. If I have the letter from the Epoch Times from Brother Ken here, let's see. And all right. If we have it, we have it. Uh, yeah, don't do anything. Okay. Uh, okay, I will fight until my dying breath before I surrender one letter of my liberty. All right, so this, this is what was going on. And thank you, Kevin. You did find it. This was uh, in a letter obtained exclusively by the Epoch Times. A January 6th prisoner asks... Are you ready to light brush fires of liberty in the souls of men? Then don't do nothing. The letter uh, dated December 30th, 2021 is revealed here in its entirety. And it says this, my name is Jeremy Brown. The letter begins. 
I am a 20-year retired U.S. Army Special Forces combat veteran. On January 5th and 6th, 2021, I was in our nation's capital as part of an all-volunteer perspective detail. Okay, this is not it, by the way. This is not the letter. This is probably another good letter. Um, But he was talking specifically about um, what was happening. It's a little bit different than what I had. So uh, we'll keep looking for this. But uh, this gentleman, Jeremy Brown, is his name. Um, he was the one that was in, is still in prison and was saying that the American people are about to be uh, the misinformed and the disinformed are going to have their perception um, kind of renewed by this committee that was on at least 30 channels last night. And it's reconvening until next week, and then they'll come back on. And uh, while all the news people, politicians, oh, I didn't watch it, and we're not interested, and it's crazy, well, they televised the entire thing last night. And uh, it was very imbalanced. It was very unfair. It was a mock trial. It was an entertainment, the greatest show on earth, as I said earlier. Um, So we have all these different things that are happening in our country and around the world. We know this, okay? So that's not a surprise. And that's really not why I came on the air today to talk to you about these things. I wanted to um, more than encourage or, or just talk about it. I wanted to encourage you as a believer that in case you have taken the tact of not believing that the, the rapture is going to get you out of this mess, if you understand that the scriptures don't actually say that and that they're not the great escape of the church, that's not the great hope of men and women of faith who are being confronted by a militant LGBTQ community who are being confronted by a far-left globalist agenda, people who are becoming demonized by uh, the world on the world stage through propaganda, through the media. If you understand that your escape is not through a rapture, but your faith in Jesus Christ being led by the Holy Spirit um, is more of a reliable uh, source of your successful journey through the midnight hour that's coming upon the soul of America, well, this is a time to press into God like never before, isn't it? But I wanted to encourage you and give you a biblical perspective of what this all is. Number one, we know that these are the birth pangs or the beginning of sorrows that Jesus Christ himself spoke about would be in the last days, that suddenly it would seem like almost out of nowhere, uh, global events would begin to take place in an accelerated fashion with an intensification And it would just keep moving, 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 and we're there right now. People are so overwhelmed by the information, by the revelation, by the things that are going on in the world from every sector of society, uh, both in the spirit world and in the natural world. And so we're watching it happen through a biblical lens. Everything that was spoken is now before our eyes, and there are things yet to come because these are the beginning of sorrows. So when we view these things through a lens of Scripture— We have to understand why is it happening in our lifetime? Why is it happening to us in our generation? And has God bailed out on his mental ability to realize that you and I are here while this is happening? Has God forsaken the church and said, hey, you know, here it is. Good luck. I'll see you later. No, God knows that you exist. God knows that you're here. God knows the desire of your heart to serve him. God knows. Jesus knows. 
the Holy Spirit knows. And God's grace and God's mercy is multiplied to all true believers right now for a further equipping to be able to stand in the gap at this time. But we must understand what God is allowing and what is happening and why our generation, you and I being here at this moment, is not by mistake, not coincidental. We are here on purpose as believers who are called to be salt and light, and, and we need to understand what is going on right now. And I found something that I want to share with you. I found something that I find, uh, I, I'm the kind of uh, preacher that loves to see God's word interpret itself. I don't like going back 1,500 years, getting somebody else's opinion or concept of things. You can apply those thoughts, but I love it when the Bible interprets itself. It helps us to understand what God is doing. So I've I've sought to do that. I've been looking at this scripture because, as you know, I believe with all of my heart that, uh, and this was, what, two weeks ago before we left the airwaves and started our journey across the country to do the things that God put in our heart to do, um, I, I left it with an understanding that a massive birth pang was coming, that there is a global shaking that is going to shake the entire planet. And I, and I was thinking to myself, because God puts those thoughts in my heart, and they come out of my mouth, and I speak them, and, I, and then I think about what the Spirit of the Lord just said, and I wonder, God, what kind of event would possibly happen that would shake this whole earth. Well, I thought 9-11, 2001, it was a global shaking. It shook everything. And there are things going on right now around the world that are also shaking. Uh, Iran and Israel. Israel is ready to invade Iran or attack Iran. And the blowback on that is going to be massive. Um, There's an embassy that they want to put now in Israel for the Palestinian people. So there's all that conflict going on in the Middle East. We know we have the Russian-Ukrainian issue going on, uh, and we know that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, whether they're in the United States or whether they are abroad, we know that God incinerated Sodom and Gomorrah, and the New Testament says that anybody that follows their example is going to get the same punishment. So we know that there's an incineration that is going to happen in our country and around the world, but we live here because of the Sodom and Gomorrah spirit that's being promoted and celebrated even today in the month of shame concerning what the homosexual community is doing in our country. And so we know that the incineration will come, whether it's through dirty bombs, nuclear weapons, whether Russia launches their nuclear weapons, suitcase nuclear weapons, whatever, it's a lot closer now than ever before, and it's justifiable in the eyes of Almighty God. So with all this happening here, uh, we knew that the birth pangs would come. Now, we left the airwaves two weeks ago, and then it began to happen, didn't it? I mean, Buffalo, New York, 10 people shot and killed. Uvalde, Texas, 19 children, two adults, shot and killed. Then we went on into yesterday, I think, in Maryland. There were three people shot and killed at a business. Then it was at a church where people were shot and killed. And then it was at, uh, you know, another place. So the the country right now, for the summer of violence that we had predicted through the word of God that would come, is at the doorsteps. We, don't, we can't disagree with that. That's not hypersensationalism. It's a reality that this is true. This is what is going on in our country. Every soft spot in this country, the other one was in Tulsa at a hospital, which was prophesied by a young lady in our fellowship. So we had soft spots of hospitals, schools, churches, shopping uh, stores, uh, businesses, 
And so now situational awareness becomes a critical uh, reality to the thinking of everyone. You have to be careful about where you go. You have to pray about everything. You, can't, you have to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. You can't keep listening to the cotton candy messages that are making you feel good because they're so sweet and laced with lies because you don't want to be under the influence of a lie. The fact is a summer of violence will continue to come. A massive birth pang will hit the world. And I thought to myself, well, what could this possibly be? Lord, where in Scripture do we find a massive global shaking, but it's not the end of the world? It's an appearing. It's a moment on the world stage where something happens, and it happens in two directions. It is a rebuke to the world, but it is also meaningful to the believers that are in the world. It has meaning. It has value. So what is this? What one event that can we find in Scripture that will show a massive rebuke in a world of rebellion that is growing and moving rapidly towards the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth, which means the enemy is coming. You know, when the enemy is kicked out of heaven in Revelation 12 and he hits the earth, that's going to be a great shaking, isn't it? Think about the devil and his empire getting slammed down on the earth. That's going to shake the world. That's not what we are yet, I do not believe. But there's another shaking in scripture that's like this. It's not the Revelation 12, Satan being cast onto the earth, although we believe that's very close we believe that there's another shaking in the scripture prior to that event. And the Bible has something to say about it where it will shake the world and it will, it'll strike fear in the world. And in the church, it will also have a work to do. So the event I'm talking about is the only event that I could not find in years of studying the book of Revelation. And I've said, said it so many times. I hope we still have meaning with this. And let me get into Revelation chapter 6, because in my simple third grade understanding and hopefully hearing the Holy Spirit, I believe this is the event that is about to happen on this earth. And so I want to walk through it one more time and look at the extremities of it. And I begin in Revelation 6:12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth field, and lo, there was a great earthquake. So a great earthquake is a global shaking. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So first, we have a global shaking, an earthquaking event that's going to affect the sun and the moon. Verse 13 says, and the stars of heaven fell under the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs. So now we have the celestial bodies. We have these things called stars. Some people think they're comets. Some people, you know, a star is bigger than the planet. If a star ever hit the earth, we'd be obliterated. But this is talking about a cometary, uh, you know, a meteorite shower, cometary shower, or stars could be messengers. There's all kinds of interpretation. But regardless, what we know is the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs. And I'm thinking this is a global cometary impact, in my opinion. Okay, so uh, as an untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So a mighty wind is also ready to blow. And that's going to make a lot of sense in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, which opens up with the four angels that are holding back the four winds. So this is a foretelling of what is about to come, okay? And so verse 14, 
And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, that heaven departing could be the understanding, the revelation, the things of the Spirit are rolled up, and they're no longer viewable at that moment. It's like an event that happens all over the world, and there's silence. There's no ability to perceive. It goes back to Isaiah uh, chapter 47, your prognosticators won't be able to tell you, your, 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 your necromancers won't be able to know what's going on. There's no way you're going to be able, there's going to be a lights out when it comes to the understanding of the mind of man. So it's rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. There could be symbology to that as well, but we're talking about a global shaking where everything is moved out of its place. Maybe this is the beginning of the great global reset. Maybe great mountain empires are going to be shaken and moved out of their places like America, the superpower nation of the world, moved out of its place, becoming a third world country. Uh, others coming to power like Russia and China. Um, this is in the, in the little island, the little nation states, the same thing. Could be symbology, but this is big. It's going to move everything. And then it says in 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. So here we find a scene, and it's going to get critical now, where all global world leaders are going to be confronted by an appearing. Uh, They're wanting to hide from the face of him who sits on the throne and, as you'll see, from the wrath of the Lamb. So there's an appearing that is coming. It is an appearing of God. It is an appearing of the wrath of the Lamb of God. We know him as Jesus Christ. It is not his final coming because these things have happened in times past. And then after those appearings, things would go on and get back to where they were going. This is not the final appearing of the Lamb of God in his wrath. Okay, this is an appearing. And you wonder... How is the Lord God going to manifest? How is Christ going to manifest? <clears throat> How is the Lamb of God going to manifest his wrath at this moment that the Klaus Schwabs of our day, the, you know, the global leaders of our day, are going to run to their bunkers? And are those stars that are falling out of heaven going to be nuclear weapons? Are we going to experience a, a global uh, nuclear holocaust all over the world and buttons are just going to start getting pushed Uh, Time is going to tell where it happens, but here's where I found it interesting. Letting the Bible interpret itself, okay? These things have happened before in the prophets, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah. These things have happened before that we just read, okay? And I've gone through that many, many times, and I've got scriptures here to back it. Everything from Isaiah 34, 1 to 8, Isaiah 13, 6 on, Isaiah chapter 2, uh, I've got 2 Peter 3.10. We've got uh, Malachi 3.1. We've got a lot of scripture, but here's the scripture that got me in verse 17. It says, for the great day of his wrath is come, the wrath of the Lamb, and who shall be able to stand? Now, that phrase there, who shall be able to stand, is critical to believers in this time of the appearing of the wrath of God, that's going to shake the earth, okay? This is going to shake the world. 
It's as though if I were to put it in simple terms, right now it looks like the global new world order is really advancing its cause, right? It's kind of like Nimrod uh, building the Tower of Babel, going back to the book of Genesis, and then God making an appearing. Remember, God made an appearing to the children uh, that were building the ancient uh, uh, Tower of Babel, right, in the city. And all of a sudden, God makes an appearing, and their work ceases. Well, this is another appearing of the Lord that's going to cause the global one-world government that is being formed and being set up for the Antichrist to come to be confronted. And it's not the end of the end of the end of the end. It is a confrontation. It is a revelation of the righteous wrath of the Lamb and the face of God that's coming down to see what the Son of Men are doing, right? Just like in the book of Genesis. But as this will shake the world for a moment and they will all go underground and they'll hide in their bunkers, they'll, they'll, they'll want to be hidden from the wrath of the Lamb and the face of him who sits on the throne, what does this mean to the saints of God? So what I would like to do is look at Malachi chapter 3. And let me say it again, that, and who shall be able to stand? It says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So we go now to Malachi to let the Bible interpret itself, to come up with an interpretation of what that could possibly mean. And here's what we read in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears. Now remember, in Revelation it said the same language, and who shall be able to stand? He's coming, for the great day of his wrath is coming, and who shall be able to stand? Malachi prophetically puts it into this, this moment as well, and says, but who may abide the day of his coming, this appearing, this epiphany, not the final second coming of the Lord, but his, his coming in, in, in wrath, to, to, to confront what the world leaders are doing, like God did in the book of Genesis, in the building of the Tower of Babel, and who shall stand when he appears. Now, here's where you and I, as believers, have to understand what this moment is all about. It's not just about God confronting a sin-sick world. It's not just about these, you know, these uh, encroachments of the adversary through all these different mechanisms. It's not about just these evil, sinful people. It's more about what God is going to be doing in the church right now. And what does it say here? It says, but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. Okay, so I'm keeping this in context with scripture in the book of Revelation in Malachi chapter 3. Who is like a refiner's fire? God is like a refiner's fire. Yeshua is like a refiner's fire in the wrath of the lamb, right? And so he says, and like fuller's soap. So he's like a refiner of fire, and he's like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi. 
God is not coming to purify the world. God is not coming to refine the world. The world will be burnt up with unquenchable fire. All the lukewarm, all the compromise, all the people that are double-minded, all the people that are disobedient to the gospel, whoever they are, whatever they are, okay, that is going to be a consuming fire. But during this time where he's shaking the earth, we also find that he shall sit as a refiner's fire, a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. You see, right now, I believe that we could say this safely without being critical, but observing the reality of what the church is today, that the church is in need of a purification. The times that we are living in, in the moment of the global shaking, in all these events that are going to hit the world, the church that is unprepared, who have refused to sanctify their minds, sanctify their hearts, get cleaned up before the Lord, but rather have participated in the things of the world, been lukewarm, tolerated, and capitulated to the powers of darkness by accepting the things and never being the voice that they were called to be, the salt they were meant to be, and the light. Because remember, when a salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing to be trampled under foot of men. So what is God doing? He's coming to purify and he's coming to purge the people of God as gold and silver. Why? That we may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. The purpose of this moment of you and I being here is for purification. The, the, the event that is about to happen, the birth pang that is about to happen, is going to purify our hearts. From what? Well, we could go on down the list. Some of the things that we have, be, uh, we have learned to depend upon, uh, the global world system, for example, uh, with doctors and banking systems and money and uh, all the, the supermarkets and uh, ATM machines and uh, all that we have been granted, all that God had allowed us to call ourselves prosperous Christians with, uh, our hearts being settled upon those things and not God, uh, the things of the world that have taken us away from the Lord. We've given God a partial sacrifice. We've gone to church on Sunday. We've done our Bible studies. Um, you know, we've got given our little offerings here and there. Uh, we paid our tithes here and there. But the heart never being fully engaged because the things of the world, like the parable of the soils, have come and the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, like weeds that choke, have choked out some of the life of many believers. And so the time of purging has to happen to burn up the weeds in our own life, the chaff in our own life, a time of purification. Uh, it may, we may be getting to a point where all the wealth that some people have accumulated may be absolutely wiped out overnight. Uh, people that have been living in big homes may lose them overnight. Uh, we may be coming into a time where people have enjoyed their freedom are going to be arrested and put in jail overnight. 
And so the remnant, the true remnant that does not need to be purified because they've already allowed the word of God to purify themselves, they've judged themselves, they found themselves uh, lacking and have repented and confessed and have uh, turned and gone in another direction to serve God acceptably, uh, they will be the remnant that God will protect. And uh, whatever remaining residual effects of the old human nature that need to be uh, purged will be purged. I'm telling you that the moment we're stepping into as a church isn't nearly as dreadful concerning what the world and the devil is doing as to the purging that God is bringing to the ecclesia. Because too many Christians are walking around with weeds around their head. Their minds have been uh, vexed and harassed almost daily by the conduct of what's going on in the world in their own hearts having never really repented altogether, are still tied to that spirit. It's a very uh, clever thing that's going on. But God is allowing the purification to come to the church. And you need to know it. You need to understand what's ready to happen to you. It's not going to be you and I eating popcorn, watching what goes on in the world. And there's a lot going on in the world. And there's going to come an appearing, an epiphany of the Lord God Almighty and the world rulers are going to be going into their bunkers. This World War III, whatever it is, this global shaking is going to shake them. But you and I, according to Scripture, need to understand what this is all about. Another passage of Scripture. Uh, well, let me just finish it in verse 5, Malachi 3, 5. And I will come near to you to judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers against false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. So he's coming with an appearing like God did in the days of Nimrod when they were building the Tower of Babel. God made an appearing to stop their work, and they were all dispersed. This kind of an appearing is coming to the world order for a moment. They will come back, and they will build. But during this time of the global shaking, you need to understand the only scripture found in the Bible that interprets this is that this is also a time of purging in the church of Jesus Christ. All of us, all believers, wherever we have neglected our sanctification, wherever we have neglected to purge, wherever we have neglected to uproot and pull down things in our own hearts and minds that were contrary to God, whatever it is, whether it's bitterness, offense, pride, jealousy, ego, envy, lust, whatever it is that has remained in the heart and in the mind that has not been thoroughly dealt with by the fire of, of God's spirit, because remember, he came, he's going to baptize us with fire. We've had the water and the wind, but now comes the fire, a baptism of fire, and that's what we are about to enter into. Now listen, don't let that scare you because, quite frankly, that is going to produce really good fruit. This purging is designed by God so that we may offer to God an offering in righteousness, something pleasant to the Lord, something acceptable to the Lord. So don't be dismayed when the trial begins to, in areas of your life that cannot go into the kingdom. These things must be dealt with. Lukewarm, compromised Christianity that is turned into cotton candy, feel-good messages, has never produced the intention of what the gospel was intended to produce, which is a new creation of individuals partaking of the divine nature who have come to a full stature of what Jesus Christ has intended us to be. And so this is ready to happen. It's going to happen globally around the world. So let's look at it from this perspective 
I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now you know what is coming. Now you understand what this moment is. God's not going to rapture you and I out of here when we need to be purged. You know, God's not going to rapture us out of here when we're gluttons and, we're, and we're, we have no self-control and we're, and we're not walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to come and rescue us. That he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have accomplished anything. And why the, the church today wants to believe in a false, you know, a, a false security about being raptured out of the world while they're obviously having issues in their life that they're not getting control of is bizarre. It's never been God's ways. You and I are going through this moment to get purged and purified. Thank God it's God who's doing it for his sons. Hallelujah. And his daughters. So 1 Peter chapter 1, concerning this trial, and I'm going to begin in verse 5. In verse 5, it speaks of those of us, I'm in 1 Peter 1, 5, who are kept by the power of God. You see, you and I are being kept, even in the time of purification, even in the time of sanctification, even in the time of purging. Okay, We are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What salvation? Salvation from the devil? Salvation from the world? No. True salvation means to be made whole, to be completely conformed into the image of the firstborn son, Jesus Christ. This is a salvation. And we are going to be kept by God through our faith as we're going through the purification and the purging that God is bringing upon the earth. Now, verse 6 says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, and this is the season that we are entering into, if need be, see, if we've, if we've accomplished this, if we've been working out our salvation, if we've been confessing, if we've been repenting, if we've been turning to God in every situation, overcoming temptation, overcoming, putting our flesh to death, picking up our cross, doing what God said to do, this is going to be a much easier trial, but he says this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So in other words, you're going through something, and here it is in verse 7, that the trial of your faith, and that, isn't that what this is all about? The trial of your faith being much more precious, your faith is much more precious than of gold that perishes. Your faith and my faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Because you and I are going to need faith in the time of testing. You and I are going to need faith in the time of purification because it's not going to feel good. Purification, when we come before the refiner, he sits as a refiner's fire and he purges and purifies the sons of God and the daughters of God. This is not going to feel good, but it's going to produce really good eternal benefits. You know that and I know that. So your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. Your faith and my faith are going to be tried with fire. We're going to go through fiery trials. The intention of the fiery trial is to purge the leaven out of our lives, to purge the dross out of our nature, 
to purge the chaff, to purge the goat nature, the human nature. God is going to clean up his church. He sits as a refiner. He has a fan, thoroughly purges his floor in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. He thoroughly purges his floor. He's not going to allow us to escape into, into heaven in a preacher rapture when we're, uh, when we're defiled and corrupt. He is coming for a church without spot and wrinkle, undefiled, uncorrupt. And you and I, or people, not, I'm not, you're not for the most part, are believing that they're just going to be out of here because we'd be really concerned if we're not out of here. Well, we need to be really concerned about the condition of our hearts and our minds living in this world right now and where we stand as Christians and how God is going to measure us. I don't care how your pastor measures you. I don't care how you measure me. We're all going to be measured by God. And if we're not measured up to the fullness of the stature of his son, Jesus Christ, there's purging necessary. Purification is necessary. You may long for death and think that death is a way out of the purging. That's not wisdom. We want to be purged. We want to be pure. We want to be clean. We want to be vessels of gold. We desire to be vessels of mercy, right? We want God to flow through us. We want God to flow out of us, into us, out of us. We want to have no flesh in our shofar, our ram's horn, if you know what I mean. So this is what the scripture says. Though it be tried with fire, that our faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So if we stay in faith during the trial, it's going to produce glory, honor, and praise at the appearing, the, uh, the revelation, the appearing of Jesus Christ. And where does he appear? He appears in you and I. And he's going to appear in glory in you and I. Now, another passage of scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 4. So we'll stay in 1 Peter. Let's go to chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is powerful. And we're just going to walk very quietly through these passages. And it says this, 1 Peter 4.1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and you know he has, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. This is what God is after that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. The Apostle Peter is making it very clear to those that were following Christ that you used to be a lot of stuff, but you're not that anymore, and you shouldn't be living the rest of your days on earth following your flesh. You should be living out the will of God in your life. That's apostolic doctrine. That is true. This other stuff that people are teaching is not the truth. And it's not equipping and preparing people to deal with what is coming on this earth. And greater than that, the fiery trial, the purging of the refiner that is coming into our lives. Verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, which is what we used to be, when we walked in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine and revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, wherein... They think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So this is what you used to be. Now the world is 
out of control, running rampant in this direction. And maybe you were at one time as well, but you have repented. You have turned. Now the world's wondering, hey, we're, look, we're wide open. You, I read what the gay manifesto said. I mean, we, we're, we're going to let it rip, right? So they're speaking evil of you who are staying the course. And then he said this. And this is part of the suffering, by the way. This is part of the trial. By not going back, by not touching the unclean thing, by going forward and pursuing Christ in totality, this is where the suffering comes, okay? And, there, and it says that they are, they're speaking evil of you who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to, the God, to God in the spirit. Now listen very carefully to verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer, and above all things, you ready? You want to get, this is how you're going to win. This is how you're going to successfully go through this time. Above all things, have fervent Charity, agape, agapeo, fervent love among yourselves. I love where Apostle Peter places this. Doesn't say give it to your world, your unbelieving family members. He said have, you know, I know mothers that love their children more than people in the body of Christ. I know mothers who have loved their rebellious children more than their brothers and sisters in the family of God. It makes me think that they're mere religious people that they're really in religion. But you know what? The Bible says that above all things to the believers, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. This is important. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So what he's doing is creating an environment of Christian men and women that are in the world at the time this is coming, and he's telling them how they will be most successful. Have fervent, passionate, hot, agape, affectionate, unconditional love of all the brethren that you fellowship with. Use hospitality among yourselves and don't grudge. See, the devil wants to pervert and pollute the Christian environment so the powers of darkness will access and create problems. That's why we have to make sure that we're not being offended, that we're not being critical, that we're not being bitter and resentful and unforgiving. These things are critical, and especially not walking in fear. And remember, perfect love casts out all fear, and God is saying this is where your love needs to go, not to your unbelieving children in the first place. You are to have fervent love for the body of Christ that you fellowship and walk with. This is critical. Now, in verse 10, as every man has received the gift, so minister the same one to another. As good stewards, listen, there's a mystery coming. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as to the ability which God gives that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12. Here's a key. This is what you need to remember in the days that we're in. 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. There is no escape from the fiery trial, the purging and the refining and the sanctifying of our hearts as Christian believers. The idea of a pre-tribulational rapture to escape the bad guy, the devil, the Antichrist, is an excuse not to allow for the fire of God to purge and sanctify and purify our lives to the uttermost. And that's the reality. See, the Christian church that believes in a preacher of rapture really don't, are not that concerned about escaping the bad guy. They really don't want to go through the fire of God's trial that he's going to allow. They really don't want to suffer the loss of anything that would offend God. They really don't want to change in some areas of their life. And sometimes it's such a glaring reality. And yet people don't want to change. They have a form of godliness. They are denying the power of God to be changed and transformed by the renewing of their mind into the image of Christ. They refuse to let go of their past. They're holding on to grudges. They're not forgiving things that have happened to them in the past. They're excusing themselves for their unforgiveness and their unwillingness to repent and change. And it's putting them in critical danger, danger of eternal separation from God. Because if we do not allow the fire of God to purge us, then the only other thing that the fire of God will do is consume us. And we have to be very careful about our walk with God right now. This is not a pretentious game. This is something that happened to us that's very real spiritually at very deep levels. Our faith in Christ and being Christians is not some whimsical idea of a religious notion. And if it is that, then you'll find yourself loving your unredeemed family more than the body of Christ. See, this is critical. This is getting down to the nitty-gritty. So, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You know, great ministries are going to be, and I don't mean great in the sense of wonderful in the character of Christ necessarily, big mega churches that have campuses and schools and thousands upon thousands of people interacting and sermons on the screen and you know, they're going to have to go through a fiery trial as well. And if they're not already captivated by the world system, well, the challenge that is coming, the hatred that is coming, the animosity that is coming, the suffering that is coming, that God is going to allow the world to move against the church to see where the church's heart is, this is going to be, this is going to be critical. I believe we're about to witness things around the world and churches, and they've already, it's already begun, you know that. But, you know, it's an amazing thing when you find 7, 8, 10, 12 people that have the Word of God that are walking in the right direction, fellowshipping in the Spirit, in entertaining the presence of God. That's a very powerful thing. Very powerful thing. He went on to say this. Rather than thinking it's a strange thing that's happening to you, rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, 
that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad and also with exceeding joy. So the reason for the trial that's about to hit the Christian church at the same time, a woe is coming upon the earth, an appearing, an epiphany, a revelation, a manifestation of Christ, like in the days of Genesis when God came down and looked at what the children of men were building the Tower of Babel and making a city, God came down and stopped their work. That's exactly the kind of epiphany that's ready to happen on this earth because everything's moving, right? So swift, but there's something of a confrontation and men are going to hide all over the world. The church is going to go through fire. This thing is not the end because we know the book of Revelation must continue on until its fulfillment. So this is just what I believe may be the great shaking that we are discerning is about to hit the world. Another one will come. When the devil is cast onto the earth, it's going to be a great shaking. Let's continue on. I want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Critical to our understanding. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And that's really not just uh, natural, you're 15 and they're 40 and therefore submit. Uh, It's also a maturing of the spirit as well. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. This is critical for how the church will endure the dark night of the soul that's coming. And even during the time of cleansing, purging, sanctification, purification, refining, this is how you do it. Let all be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Wow. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, this is a critical passage for we want more grace. Grace is beautiful. Grace is comforting. Grace is the can do. Grace is the power. Grace is sufficient for all of us. And so God says what? He said that he gives grace to the humble. Well, I already have grace. No, there's a lot more grace to be applied and employed in our lives. But who does he give this grace to, this comfort to, this beautiful charis to? He gives it to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You know, what most people do is they look to everybody around them and they say, yeah, they really need to humble themselves. And I've learned a lesson a long time ago. When you point one finger, there's three pointing right back at you. The bottom line is if you want to survive, if I want to survive, these are the instructions. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. What you and I need to be doing is examining ourselves, judging ourselves, humbling ourselves. If our brother or our sister doesn't want to do that, we don't need to be critical about them. God will deal with them. Believe me, this is what this is all about. God is going to deal with the proud. All who are proud in heart are going to be hit by what is coming. It's a purging to the believer. It's a destruction to the world. He goes on to say, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may, or that he may exalt you in due time. 
casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Isn't it interesting that God puts that in the same passage as humility? You know what a proud heart does? A proud heart carries all the cares, thinking I got I to gotta care this. I got to take care of this. I got to bear this. I got to take care of this and take care of that. No, no, no. A humble heart will realize that we're not God. He's God. And we will cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. He, he takes that right next to this whole scripture. It's in context of a proud heart. God will exalt us in due time when we humble ourselves. He will. But here's the passage that's necessary. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The adversary, the devil, is walking about in some way seeking whom he may devour. Does he want to devour you? Does he want to devour your life? Does he want to destroy your faith? Does he want to destroy you? Because I think the people he wants to devour the most are those who are a greater threat to him. And I don't think that a lukewarm, compromised, uh, fantasized ecclesia or a group of people that believe in things that aren't true are much of a threat to him. They're actually running from him. They want to escape from him. So who is he really after? Who does he really want to destroy? People who are exposing him? People who are confronting him? Why? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. We're to be resisting him. Knowing that the same afflictions, here's what you need to know right now. You need to know at this moment, if you're going through a trial, whatever you're going through, some suffering, whatever, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What you're going through in your stand, remember, who shall be able to stand in this time? Who shall be able to stand? You need to know that you're not alone in your trial. You need to know that you're not alone in the chaff that needs to be purged out of your heart. You're not alone in the need of sanctification. But you and I need to understand this is going on all over the world, but I want you to know something. The days of our controlling the Holy Spirit as to how far we're going to let him go are gone. Holy Spirit's taking over in a fashion I think is going to shock a lot of people. Because he's not a man pleaser. He's got a job to do. And that job is to take your pure desire for the things of God and bring it out like a diamond out of the rough of your life. He's going to put you and I into whatever fiery trial is necessary to devour or to purge out of us the chaff in our lives. He's got to. And we're not going to say, okay, that's, that's enough, Holy Spirit. Or we're going to take this casually. This is going to become a very intense, earnest work of the Spirit of God, and we're going to know how we do in it by our response to it. If we grudge, 
if we lose our affection and passionate, fervent love for the body of Christ is a sure sign we are falling away. Jesus said the love of many is going to wax cold in the last days. The only way you're going to know how you, where your heart is is by being in fellowship with other believers. If you think you're safe by being isolated under yourself, you're an island under yourself, you come and go and you're living a secret life and nobody really knows you, you are in danger. The only way to know where your heart really is with God is to be in intimate fellowship with the body of Christ that God has brought you to where you can confess your sin, where you can tell on yourself, where you can be confronted, where you can confront. He has designed the body of Christ to succeed in fellowship. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake fellowship. It is the only way you will ever know the true condition of your heart is by being in fellowship. Your critical attitude, your unforgiveness, your offenses, your pride, your ego, your self-serving attitudes, whatever they are in us, whatever we do, whatever it is that is not of God, rather than being humble, we're proud. Rather than accepting our position, we try to take over other positions. We have mindsets uh, that God looks at just as real as our actions, Don't you think that maybe it's time to really hit our knees? Don't you think that right now that we might need to open our eyes a little bit and say, "Uh uh-oh, I haven't been doing this very well. I, I have not been paying attention to the condition of my soul. I've been paying attention to everybody else but I have not examined me. Don't you think that this is the time? So the point of this message this morning thus far, you need to know what's coming to the world and what it means to you as a believer. You're not going to be watching this on television, eating popcorn, saying, oh, look at what's going on over there, waiting to disappear. The church of Jesus Christ is about to undergo a massive purification because this is the time. And when it says who will be able to stand, I love to refer to one passage of scripture and you know it very, very well. Well, I want to finish this real quick. Um, In verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5, but the God of all grace, in spite of everything, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, hallelujah, after that you have suffered a while in the refiner's fire, in that fiery trial, listen, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, it's all designed for what? After you've suffered a while, he will make you perfect, mature, complete. He's getting the chaff out. He's going to establish you, and you're not going to waver anymore. And he's going to strengthen you 
for every battle that will come before you. You're going to be like a David on steroids, and Goliaths will mean nothing to you in the days of David's pure heart. This goes back to the book of Revelation, the first church, return to your first love. I'll bet you David many times in his life wanted to go back to his first love when he was a shepherd boy in the fields, worshiping God. He loved God so much. That's why God called him the apple of his eye. But all this thing that went on, he got in so much trouble. But how many times did he want to return to his first love? I just want to love you again, Father God. The church is called to return to its first love. This is another message. I want to turn now to finally one more passage of Scripture, and you know it very, very well. Who will be able to stand when he appears? Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Just because you're going through something doesn't mean you don't have to be strong and you don't have his power. You do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, remember, we started out with who will be able to stand. And then in Malachi, who shall stand when he appears? Well, here's what you do. You put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then it gets into all of the armor of God. The armor of God should be fully understood It should be fully apprehended and fully applied to our lives. We should be walking in the armor of God that he's given us, and you should know exactly what it is, and you should study it, and you should put it on. If you need to do it every day until it becomes intrinsic to your life, and it's what you wear all the time, praise the Lord. So then what is this today? Well, this is a call to the body of Christ to first of all blow a prophetic trumpet to tell you What is happening has been prophesied, and it's now being fulfilled, and there is something coming. It is at the door. They're calling it a summer of violence now. That's the news media. They're calling it all kinds of things. You know, and I know, that the fabric of our society has been torn, and it's been torn to shreds, and there will not be a remaining thread to connect anything. Everything is now going in that direction. The global new world order that's creating a new order of things that has to break the sovereignty of the United States to bring globalization has to do away with nationalism and sovereignty and independence. Um, That is being destroyed. By the way, I thought this was very interesting, but I I, I guess I better wait till I I get back to church on Saturday and Sunday to minister this. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve that. Be alert, be sober, and when this event happens... When, when there's an appearing, and whatever that appearing looks like, to hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne uh, and from the wrath of the, of, of the Lamb, whatever that's going to look like, 
Understand that it will shake the earth. And this is the time where Christ is going to use that moment to purge his church here in the end times. We're the ones that are here. I don't know. You know another Christian that's, you know, more of a Christian than you are, maybe in their development, their growth, their character. But you're the Christian. You and I are the Christians that are living on planet earth today. And if there are more mature Christians, praise the living God. The only people that will not suffer are people that have been purified. They've purified themselves. And there's probably some residual because we all have blind spots. So when the fiery trial comes, understand what it is. Be quick to repent. Confess. Get up and keep moving forward. This is the warning that I'm bringing to the airwaves. And on Tuesday, when we come back on the air, we'll go into much more detail. And I pretty much guarantee you that what we're going to be talking about in the days ahead are all the different events that are going to begin to hit. And then that big one is coming. And I believe it has everything to do with the sixth seal. I believe this is the global birth pang. Both is going to hit the world and the church is going to go into a time of purification. That's the way the Bible interprets itself. I have no further opinion. I don't know anything else. I'm just reading what the scriptures say. And uh, having said that, um, thanks for tuning in today. It's been uh, great being with everybody. To the people that are listening right now, uh, great to be with you. I have some friends with us on the chat room. Let me just say hello to everybody out there today. Uh, Pastor Melissa Fletcher. Hi, Pastor Vincent. Blessing on you. Hello, church. God bless you, Pastor Melissa Fletcher. Can't wait to see you in chat someday. Uh, Terry, World of Nobody, good morning. Kevin Hauger, good morning. God bless you, both Terry and Kevin. Uh, World of Nobody, uh, Terry says that January 6th show is propaganda, period. Liars going to lie. Remember the rules for radicals. Target, vilify your enemies, just like illegitimate governor calling us domestic terrorists. That's correct. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Paul Jack is saying to us today, let's get to Paul. I see Paul is with us. Thank you for that comment, by the way, Um, uh, Terry. Welcome back, Pastor. You both were missed. Hey, we missed everybody as well. We love seeing the back of your heads when we viewed, by the way. And uh, it's good to see you. Joyce Young, God help us. Yes, he will. He's going to help us. And he's going to purify us. And we're going to love it. Amen, because we love the Lord. Uh, Terry says, God's not forsaken the church. The church has forsaken God in love with the world, as it was in the days of Noah. Men's hearts all the time wicked. Great point, Terry. Couldn't agree more. Kim Boiling. Hi, Joyce. All right. There you go. There's a hi, Joyce, from Kim Boiling. Good to hear from Kim, our sister from Colorado. Looking forward to seeing her. Terry says, people become lovers of selves. I've said it before. We'll take a near-death event to bring America to reap or to repent. I will make man scarce as gold of Ophir. That's right. Isaiah chapter 13, I believe it is. Uh, Kim says, um, unfortunately, not for long. Example, 9-11. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Callie Reynolds. Oh, big expectation in Sister Callie coming up. Good morning, pastors. Good morning to you. Megan Cotton. Hello. Good morning, Megan. God bless you. Jay Grassel. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. And he's coming to purify the church. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's go to our dear sister from Texas, Shirley and Mike. Good morning from Texas. God bless you, Shirley. Pastor Dennis Dossaman. Amen. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
Yes, sir. That's the only right thing to do. Jim Stapp, good morning. Cindy Messman, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Pastor Denny. Cindy Messman, good morning, Pastor Vincent Xavier. So excited you both are back. We missed you both so much. We're happy to be back. We can't even begin to tell you how much we're happy to be back. Uh, Pastor Denny Sossaman, good morning, Pastor. Praise God for the trumpet blowing. Amen. Thank you for that. We're going to continue to do it. It's why we have been created in Christ Jesus. We are a shofar. Some people like the sound. Some people don't like the sound. But it is the sound of the gospel. It is the sound of the truth. I don't think anybody could have heard this message today and refuted unless you're saturated in a pre-tribulational rapture idea that somehow you're going to escape in your undefiled or in your defiled corrupt condition that God's just going to take you away. It's not going to happen that way. This moment is for all of God's kids to be purged. I do believe by the way that there is a good place in Christ. And I think we'll talk about that later on. So to everybody, good morning. God bless you. And uh, it's been wonderful to be with you. And to New Wine Ministry family, thank you for your prayers. And everybody that's been praying for us, we'll be reporting on our journey for the last two weeks when we come back Saturday night. Tonight at New Wine Ministries, Jonathan Kahn movie. Yeah, we're going to, we saw that at the theater, but we're going to host it. So if you're in the Northwest region of Arkansas, you'd like to see the latest Jonathan Kahn movie. Come on over at, uh, gosh, what time are we starting? I forget what time the movie begins. Uh, maybe Kevin or somebody could remind me real quick in the chat room, uh, what time is that movie tonight? I want to say 6 o'clock, 6.30, but we'll wait and see. Um, and then, of course, Saturday and Sunday, we'll be back with the Ecclesia. Can't wait to be back and to be with everybody. Um, having said that, I think we're done. We have a couple more hours to go before we reach our destination. So we're going to get ourselves packed up and ready to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may you know, and may we all understand. And I would encourage you. Oh, 7 o'clock. Thanks, Kevin. So if you would like, if you're in the northwest region of Arkansas, you say, well, I don't have a ticket. If you want to come and be a part, watch that movie. Uh, let, let us know when we're there. We'll do what we can to help you out, okay? And um, it's going to be a great movie, but more than that, it's going to be great being back with the church. Jonathan Kahn, by the way, I don't think I've ever met anybody that put, puts things together the way he does. Uh, I don't think there's another man on earth that does it as well, quite frankly. And once again, he does this. Uh, we'll see how deep it goes. I believe that what we're talking about today is getting very deep into the cleansing. You've all been to a dentist before. And when you got to go deep into the cavity and you have to do one of those deep cleansings, it's never comfortable. We wish that God would put us to sleep while we're going through it. But I guess if we stay in faith, I know as we stay in faith, it will be our salve of comfort during the trial. We're going to allow for the fire of God to purge out of us everything and anything that offends him because that's what it's all about. We love our Papa. He loves us. Stay the course. We'll see you soon. Pastor Vince, shalom, everybody, and God bless you. And thanks once again for tuning in. By the way, I'm going to ask you to, if you have not already subscribed to this channel, please subscribe. I'm on Vincent Xavier on YouTube and uh, even on Kevin Hauger's YouTube. We're using that as well. Um, so please subscribe to the channel. And if you want alerts, I guess you ring a little bell. Uh, please consider supporting our ministry if you and you would like to support us or sending your gift to P.O. Box 100, 
That's P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. Thanks for the couple of weeks to get away and do what we were doing. We'll tell you all about our conferences and our journeys next week. Uh, But thank you for supporting us. You could do it online at nwmglobal.org or at omegaradio.org. You'll find a way to support the ministry. Uh, Lots of ways to do it, but thank you for doing it. God bless you, and thank you for praying for us most of all. Put your seatbelts on. It's going to get awesome. Shalom.